Welcome to another episode of 97X Rumblings from the Big Bush, our first ever live episode. Dave joins us from his undisclosed secret location. He is in the mm-hmm. Witness Protection Program, so he can't tell us where he is. And then yeah. Dan McCabe joins us today. Dan, thanks for uh, putting up with this silliness from us. We appreciate it. Sure. Now, Dan, first and foremost, I just wanted to say thank you, because as I started to think about this, and I knew you were joining us, like 97X for 20 plus years brought radio, indie rock, modern rock radio to Cincinnati, but over 30 years, like you brought literally hundreds of great bands to this area that probably wouldn't have come here if it weren't for you. So thank you. Yes. Sure. Well. I mean, I was able to bring them in because you all came and saw them. So as long as you guys kept showing up, we could keep bringing them in. Yeah. So um, Sudsies was recently knocked down. They're making way for who knows what, apartments, condos, street-level retail. That's all the rage these days. But did you actually stop mm-hmm. by and like when they were imploding it or tearing it down just to see? You know, uh, I was lucky enough. A fr- I knew... Uh, a friend of mine was in the construction crew. Paul Moran invited me. I think it was the day before they were tearing it down, maybe two days before. And uh, I got to walk through it. Uh, it had already been stripped down to, to the studs. Uh, but it was the first time I'd been in there um, since, I don't know, 99. Um, so I did get to walk through it before they tear it down. I actually found uh, a piece of the sign out front. Uh, the actual Sudsy Malone character guy. And we have it at motor now peeling paint and all. I'm going to, I'm going to probably polyurethane on uh, that thing to keep it alive for another five to 10 years, but it'll be uh it'll be hanging up at motor and, and nobody's going to know what the hell it is. Just us old guys. And, uh, but you know, I'll train the staff to point to it and, and, and tell them the story. But uh, most people at motor have no idea um, Sudsy Malone's is a, a faint echo in, in their minds, but us old guys will just point to it and go, I remember when. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So walk us through, uh, your history. When did you start at Sudsy's? How did you get that gig and how long were you there? Yeah. I, you know, I moved to town in, uh, 89 and I was playing in a rock and roll band and, uh, Cincinnati was the big city. I grew up in Madison township, went to school in Oxford and, I was going to move to the big city and play in a rock and roll band in 89 and uh, <laughs> uh, not much of a leap, but um, I, uh, I was cleaning out the owner, John Shofi had hired me to do grunt work, clearing out properties and stuff for him and doing uh, some maintenance work. Eventually I worked my way up to being a bartender uh, around 91. He says, uh, anybody want to book the stage? And I raised my hand. And so I ended up booking that stage seven nights a week from 1991 to uh, 99. Wow. It was a hell of a stretch. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I was putting up my own money to do it. Uh, it made me smart. But I continued to be dumb just because I would love a band. And I put up the money that it took to get them in. And I would take a bath. And then I'd go sell a guitar so I could uh, pay the rent. Uh, you know, it, it was a struggle. But uh, I'm happy with the opportunity I was given, it was an amazing time. It was also pretty damn chaotic and crazy in the nineties were, I mean, we we're all going to die when the year 2000 hit, you're just going to run off the cliff. Uh, it was a little, little nuts. I'm, I'm, 
I'm lucky to be here, <laughs> frankly, uh, as a lot of us are. Now, did you ever do your laundry there? Uh, yeah. It didn't matter that it came out smelling like smoke because <laughs> uh, I, I smelled like – I didn't smoke. I didn't smoke cigarettes, but I, I smelled like cigarettes. My house smelled like cigarettes, my bed, my pillow. Everything smelled like cigarettes anyway. I did my – that's where I did my laundry. Yes. That's where I found a lot of my clothes, too. Oh. <laughs> my wardrobe – I didn't. I couldn't afford clothes. I I wore what you all left behind. I, I always waited for that moment when someone would tap me on the shoulder and say, "Hey, those are my pants." Um, <laughs> it, it never happened. I got away with it. Now, was Sunsies was that a chain, like or, or not? Was it only in Cincinnati? I, like, no, it was. It was a it was a one off. Uh, towards the end, I think they tried to open up. Up a, a Sudsies in Kentucky, uh, Lexington, maybe. Um, I, I had been, I had left since I think that was early two thousands. Not, it was a, it was not a change. The short Okay, but who did come up with that concept? It's like, hey, let's have a place where you can wash your clothes and and have a smoky nightclub at the same place. Well, the music kind of got tacked on later, but the yeah, John Shelfy, the owner, uh, and his family came up with the. Let's have a laundromat that we can drink at and open up at, I think it was 6 a.m. and close at 2 a.m. We we would scrub that, the scrub the deck. The reason the toilet sucked so bad is we only had, you know, a few hours till we were open again. And then that was a whole different crowd that would come in. I would bartend in the morning. That was, that was nuts. <laughs> uh, and just closing the showdown, scrubbing the place, and then opening it back up uh, for for that first shift. There were people who were drinking real hard at six, seven o'clock in the morning, waiting for uh, Sudsies to get open. Who get, could give a crap about the rock show that's happening that night? Yeah, they had to get their whites white and their colors <laughs> colorful. Yeah, we had to wash those washers. I mean, we had. That was part of the process. At the end of the night, we had rags out. We were cleaning out the washers. Uh, it was brutal. <laughs> so how did you, like these bands that you were booking, how did you discover them? Well, 97X was a big part of that. God bless you. Um, 97X and my friends, there was no internet. Um, it was my friends turning me on to stuff. Uh, a lot of the agents would hold my hand too. You know, the agents would have a stable of artists and I'd start uh, working through them. Um, and then, you know, record labels like uh, Amphetamine Reptile brought all their bands through Touch and Go. Uh, you just start mining, you know, uh, in that those directions. But mostly it was friends grabbing me by the ear saying, what, you haven't heard of this? And, and uh, tracking them down from there. Speaking on behalf of uh, some of the local bands, you also booked some of the best local bands in town as well, too. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, well, Cincinnati had and does have a great scene. Uh, that's why we could do seven nights a week. And uh, it was so much fun pairing the local bands up with these fun acts that are coming through, you know, uh, giving uh, folks the opportunity to play with some of their heroes. Uh, the local bands were what made it work. Um, it could not have worked with me just tacking in Mike Watt one night, Jesus, Lizard the next night and all that stuff. It, 
that wasn't going to sustain it. It was the fact that Cincinnati had a vibrant music scene that made it complete and made it function. Wow, that's amazing. Now, you mentioned David Yao, so I have to ask about the duct tape pants. Yeah. You know, he got arrested in Cincinnati. This is post is a... It was his first time back since uh, having been arrested at Lollapalooza at Riverbend. And then uh, he he played Sudsies regularly in the 90s. They play, they would come through often and um, uh, the crowd never waned. Yeah, that one that one year he uh, he, he came through and, and made a statement about him not pulling out his penis. He, he would do some weird thing with his balls and uh, it, I don't want to get into the details, but uh, tight and shiny, I think is what he called it. Um, <laughs> I don't ever remember him not doing what he damn well pleased. Uh, you know, even with the duct tape around his pants, I'm pretty sure it all came out anyway that night. I, I don't remember him ever capitulating. <laughs> but I went to a Super Chunk show there one time, and... Like, I don't know if somebody dropped a stink bomb or like there was just this acrid. It was like in Anchorman where it's like, it smells like a dog turd wrapped in burning hair or whatever. And so most of the people that were at the show like cleared out because it was that by the stage. I saw that as my opportunity to move right up to the front row. You know, I just gave it one yeah. of the, you know, just plug my nose and, and yeah. the band kept playing. I was, Somebody could have gotten maced. I can't remember exactly what happened, but. Yeah, uh, folks would, would light off a smoke bomb or somebody get in a fight in the back and someone whoop out the mace and then that spreads throughout the whole crowd. And uh, it was a little, little chaotic, a little chaotic <laughs> back there. You, you mentioned fights breaking out. Uh, I've heard, and I think Reverend Horton Heat admitted it from the Bogart stage, that he got his ass kicked there one night. Is that correct? Yeah, that was scary. Uh yeah, he got his ass kicked. It was pretty brutal. Uh, he and his bandmates. It was a local band, Milk Mine, who who uh, were commanding the stage. We, you know, something about Sudsies is uh, you need to remember is, you know, Mick Jones, Ronnie James Dio. They would come and do their laundry and watch shows back and participate. They were in the crowd. And uh, Reverend Horton, he came over to see the show and decided they were going to get on stage and horse around and fell into the drum kit. And then uh, the drummer was pissed and that went out into the streets. And uh, a couple of the local boys were a little heavy handed on the out of towners. And um, uh, we were out there trying to trying to separate them. But, yeah, there was some bloodshed. It was a stain on the sidewalk for a while uh, out front. They shed some blood. It was all good fun. What are some of your favorite shows that you booked over your nearly a decade at Sudsies? Oh, I, well, there's there's some, of course, so many. Uh, you know, one surreal night was the, the band Morphine played. It was one of the largest guarantees I'd ever put up at the time. I, Cure for Pain had just came out. And, we were playing uh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what an amazing band an yeah. amazing album it's, you know, to this day uh the simplicity and, and uh, mark sandman's voice mm -hmm. mark sandman's a storyteller so uh we got him them up on stage and it was snowing uh you know 
Sudsy's behind the stage is all glass. Uh, at some point, we got smart and put up a curtain to help uh, with the sound absorption. But this was early on. I can't remember, 92, 93, 94, somewhere in that time frame. The snow was coming down thick. And there's so you could see the snow behind the band. Uh, Sudsy's was kind of on a hill. Everybody who made it there, it was treacherous as hell getting there. Now, nobody really knew how we were going to get out. We could be snowed in. And Mark St Sandman's up there just telling stories uh, in between songs. And we were just kind of all in it together. It was, and of course, the music was just jaw-dropping and stunning and and um, something new and fresh and exciting. And, and Mark Sandman just I don't know. He was mesmerizing. Uh, man died uh, too soon. He, yeah. he had so much, uh, so much to say and give. Yeah, uh, he had actually gone out to dinner dinner with me earlier that night and gave me some great advice and and um, just a great man. But that night's one of my all time favorites. Uh, of course, the Jesus Lizard shows, uh, Stereo Lab. I was a huge Yola Tango fan, yes. and so Yola Tango shows were just off the hook. I was uh, loved Mercury Rev. They came yes. through three times in one year. Um, on the third time, this was on uh, Empire City, I think is the name of the album. On uh, the third time they came through, their record label, which might have been Warner Brothers, it was a major label, was in town to see them. Anybody remember the lead singer's name? Jimmy? Jim? Mm. He was. I know they was, had he, a, they had a guy called Grasshopper in the band, right? Maybe I can't remember. Okay, he pulled me aside, and said, "Look, I hate my label. Uh, they're here to see our us perform the album. Would you mind if we just winged it tonight? This is their third time through." And I, I said, "Sure, go ahead." And they did a whole improv uh, night of improv, uh, just winging it on. And so the folks from Warner Brothers were horribly depressed and pissed. And most of the people had seen him play twice just over the past six months. So they were like, ooh, this is exciting and new. That was kind of fun. I saw many, many, many shows there. But I, I, the one that sticks out in my mind is Brainiac. Oh, yeah. They, they were fantastic there. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, I had seen them many times in Dayton, their hometown, and there was something about that show and the energy they brought. And, and I think um, I didn't see Guided by Voices there, but they had the same thing when they didn't play in Dayton. They played in Cincinnati. They brought a different energy like they were out of town, not in their hometown. Yeah. But that Brainiac show, uh, and luckily someone has it on YouTube. It's not the best video ever, but it is out there somewhere for someone to see. Those were crazed. Uh, those Brainiac shows were, yeah, unhinged. I, think I saw we're... Throneberry there many times, too. Oh hell yeah, yeah! Like like you said, a lot of those local bands. So those are kind of some of the treat shows you mentioned. You know, like Morphine or Mercury Rep. What were some of the trick ones? What were the ones where you you took a bath on, or you just like these were bad for well, whatever reason, reason? Like Unrest. You know, I lost my ass on Unrest. What an amazing band! You know, incredible band. Uh, yeah, it took a hit on that. I bring those guys through. I lost a, a, on a lot. <laughs> I lost on a lot of shows. Um, the ones where I, I I came out ahead was just, you know, like bankable for when the next night I would lose my ass. So, you know, 
it never was a uh, a profitable endeavor. But yeah, unrest comes to mind. That was a shocker. Uh, there's there was most of them, frankly, yeah. <laughs> most of them came up short. And that's why I was still bartending or running sound or, you know, picking up whatever I could wherever to uh, keep the rent paid. Yeah. But then, you know, some of those bands then like, like would blow up and then they'd go on yeah. to a bigger venue. Like, how did that make you feel to see a band that you had nurtured well, and then? Uh, yeah. I mean, it stuck in a crawl. Uh, and that's why we've got the Motor Woodward setup we've got now. Uh, in Motor, we have been able to introduce acts uh, again motor is seven nights a week there's there's programming on that stage or was and then uh those bands would grow up out of motor we take them across the street for a ticketed event at the woodward it's the same model that sudsy's into bogarts was without so much of a leap it's been i mean that's been the most gratifying uh a thing the most gratifying work we do today to this point is is growing those bands out of motor and into Woodward. It, it is so much fun. And I wanted to bring that up because uh, you're still doing this today. And those are my two favorite venues in Cincinnati. Again, as Damien referenced, you know, you've brought music for 30 years to Cincinnati. I haven't seen you in 20 years, even though I've been to many shows at Motor and many shows at Woodward Theater. Uh, actually, again, for local bands, my son's band is This Pine Box, and I was looking for you to say thank you for letting them play at both at Motor and at Woodward Theater. And how are you guys handling right now with COVID? What, what can we do to help, and how are you, you navigating your way through you know, what everybody's doing across the nation? It's been a hard, and uh, the live music industry is decimated. I no one can really see the end of this for live uh, live music coming back. Um, it's going to be a long slog before live music comes back. And between now and then, we don't know when it does come back, what will be left. There's a some guru uh, agency group that's out buying up distressed venues, distressed properties, and, and building out his indie circuit. Um, that's not good for music. Uh, we're holding on uh, with the help of our lenders. Uh, you know, we're not tenants. We own the properties and uh, our, our lenders have been so far to date working with us. Uh, but yeah, something needs to change. And, you know, you mentioned what can you do to help? And it, it really comes down. We're going to need this industry is going to need government assistance. It, uh, it was the first to close. It's going to be the last to reopen. Um, and if you visit NEVA, the National Independent Venue Association, they will show you ways you can get involved or templates just to write your congressman and, and tap them on the shoulder and say, um, this is an important part of our arts and culture and we need to sustain it. Oh, I encourage everyone to go out and, 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 and go to NEVA. Uh, because, you know, this is important. Um, you know, this is a lifeline for so many people, people like Dan, uh, like the performers that are trying to make it as a living. Um, um, very, very important. And, and we'll encourage everyone to go out and, and visit that website. That's important. Yeah. I mean, if, if you like 
the music that we like that we played at 97X that Dan has brought into Sudsies to Motor to the Woodward, you know, like think about you normally, and it sucks that we can't go to shows, but you would be spending that money. So, you know, just go to Neva and, and throw something into the kitty because it's it truly is like these we're talking about legendary venues across the country that are in danger of going away and not coming back post pandemic. Here, here, it is a vital cog in the music industry and any musician's development. These independent venues are, are a vital cog in, in in growing artists and getting them out into the world. Uh, without that music, we're all going to be listening to the same damn band, you know. Uh, yeah. w- without independent venues, and and one of your co-owners is Chris, who who booked. Southgate House for for a long time. Yeah. Uh, If you think about Sudsies, Southgate House, Motor, Woodward, like how many great shows have you seen over the years? It's, uh, it'd be nice to give back. Let's keep it going, y'all. Dan, if you want to duck out now, because I think we're going to shift gears and we're going to have Rick Tile from the uh, Breakfast Club uh, join. Oh, Rick, Rick's unmuting. Rick, uh, keep Dan on. Okay. Um, I just want to, so... One little known fact is um, I've been Dan McCabe's fixer for for decades now and uh, still am today. So back in the day, um, remember the laundry detergent uh, vending machines they had down at Sudsies? I used to fill those. As a matter of fact, we were the first Cincinnati laundromat uh, to have pounce sheets. Not bounce. We had pounce um, in the machines. But but I want to um, just uh, uh, answer a couple things, fix a couple things. Uh, that Dan said, if I may. So first of all, uh, the lead singer of Mercury Rev was Jonathan. Jonathan was the answer. Jonathan. 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 Thank you. Okay. And um, please go to, uh, it's not Neva.org, it's NivAsoc.org, NivAssociation, N-I-V-A-S-S-O-C.org. Neva.org takes you somewhere completely different. And uh, one more thing, uh, Morphine, the remaining members of Morphine have regrouped. They play in the Boston area under the uh, name of Vapors of Morphine. And uh, huh. if you ever in the Boston area, look them up. They play pretty regularly. Well, I guess maybe when it's not COVID related. But uh, that's just my public service as Dan McCabe's fixer, uh, a position I've been holding for years. Um, and I get free, you know free laundry out of it. You know, so. <laughs> All then, the pounds you want. And All then, the pounds you want, that's right. And Dan, yeah, you, sure. no, you noticed that Howard uh, Cohen has joined us live. So Howard, if you want to unmute and, and talk a little bit about your Sudsies memories, I think uh, Dan's probably served you a beverage or two over the years. Actually, you still own Dan money, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's not Dan. No, I, I owe... Uh, 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 Doug had Sean uh, uh, money for cutting a record that we never finished. But no, I mean, you know, Dan, uh, when you got on, we were still playing pretty regularly there. Uh, and then you were also in the band with uh, Kip Rowe. Yeah. Uh, and so there was a lot of that. I was living with Kip at one point during that. So there was a sort of cross-pollination. And you, know, you guys were, were uh, far more serious about things than we were, you know. You cut a record. You had a cello. Um, <laughs> you know, we had dogs in the basement while we practiced. So, uh, but no, I mean, you know, I mean, 
you guys were kind enough to have me on at, at one point, and I definitely talked a great deal about uh, sort of the fact that 97X and Sudsies were crucial to me. You know, the first band I had, Reluctant Husbandry, and then the Killers, Serial Killers. Uh, we were there. I mean, and if we weren't playing, we were hanging out. We were seeing shows. Those were important, and the opportunity to see some of these great bands that came through, as well as, you know, the locals. I mean, my gosh, when I started off, it was like the Falcons and Red Math, and Sleep Theater had their uh, uh, record release party, and it was a record, man. And those were expensive, and those were, you know, it was hard to do, and it, it got cheaper as time went on. But, I mean, there was this whole thing happening. And when the Wigs went away, uh, you know, when the Wigs played, and they were really drunk, and they were hit and miss and then they went to seattle and they turned into this great band and they came back and they were you know we were carrying around on our on our shoulders and steve earl steve earl <laughs> um, <laughs> but no dan thank you for all you did uh not just for you know letting me uh, uh up on that that stage uh but you know man look at what you do and and still do and uh it keeps this town visible and viable and I'll shut up now. Thanks, Howie. But, Dan, thanks again for all you do. Uh, sincerely, as a parent of a band that's played there and as a, uh, a 20-something hanging out at Sudsies and now being a 50-something hanging out at Motor, I appreciate everything you do. You're done. Hell yeah. Thank you all. 97X. It's just going to be a big party. You know, we've got uh -huh. some great bands coming. Uh -huh. Rumblings from the Big Bush.